Thanks for tuning in. I'm Joel Amadon. And I'm Ann Monroe. And this is The Teacher's Journey, Mile Markers on the Road to Better Teaching, a podcast series where we discuss stories of teacher development. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Mississippi School of Education and is an Amadon Planet production. All right. It is It is 20. Um, there's so many twos in today's date. I, I'm tripping over them, Dr. Monroe. It's a, what, two, two, two of 2022. Oh and it's goodness. Tuesday. It's Tuesday, 2-22-2022. That is insane. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Lots of numbers. And this is our, I mean, not to put too fine, like we had Patches Calhoun on a little while ago, but we've had a little hiatus. We've got a lot of, we've been doing a lot of work together, um, which has been kind of fun. Lots of other stuff behind the scenes, yeah. but we're excited to get back in the podcast saddle. And we have a great guest today. And this is my student. I don't know if you've had this student in class I have had this student, but it was probably freshman year, right, Hannah? In METP oh, yes. 101? Yes, it was my freshman year, first semester. Mm-hmm. So we have That's Hannah nice. Witherspoon with us. And Hannah, do you want to give a quick self-introduction to the uh, listeners? Sure, yeah. My name's Hannah Witherspoon. I'm a senior English and secondary English education major. Um, I am currently in my student teaching semester, so that's going well. I am from South Haven, Mississippi, so not too far away. I graduated from South Haven High School in 2018, and I've lived a couple other places around because my dad's in the Army, but I am big sister to two little brothers, too. So, You know what? Your organization and the way, you know, a little discipline with your assignment, I, I could see that. I could see that old Army influence, maybe, in the... Uh, <laughs> Definitely. There, there you go. Fantastic. So, um, Hannah, you agreed to come on to talk about uh, a moment uh, of, of growth, right? A mile marker on your path to better teaching, which name of the podcast. But before that, we want to just kind of give a little bit of background to maybe your history with education, maybe some of the influences that you've had. And so can you thank three teachers who have shaped your development as a, as a person and as a teacher? Of course, yes. Starting in probably high school, um, one of the most impactful teachers I've had was Miss Pastorchik. And she, I will not even lie, she absolutely terrified me for probably the first <laughs> six months that I knew her. Um, she taught our PSAT ACT course, but she also taught AP English for junior and senior year. So I knew her for probably the entire time I was in high school and terrified. Um, really, I think just because she had such high standards, which now looking back on, I think was a great thing it really made me challenge myself as a person and as a student. But she also, she had this great way of running a classroom and she made it such a good community. You know, she was so supportive for like our test days. You know, she would go, she would wake up at four in the morning and make us breakfast and bring it in. And, you know, she would cater to any kind of allergies or anything we even had to, you know, she was so thoughtful and she had high standards and she scared you if you did not meet them. But it worked out really well. And I think by the end of high school, it was such a safe space and so welcoming. And I think, you know, as a person, she kind of taught me how to be confident in my own ability level too. Um, and definitely kind of inspired some of the passion that I have with creating that same welcoming community myself. So she's a very big one. Um, I think secondly, I actually think you, Mr. Amadon, you were probably a big deal for me in um, college. I had your class the spring of 2020 which was yeah, it was early yeah it was a time it was a time to be alive <laughs> and I remember the one thing you repeated to us over and over was to show up and I 
that's something I've really tried to model. And it's something that I think really stuck with me, not just, you know, showing up physically to class, but showing up mentally, you know, showing up for your students, showing up for your kids, but showing up for yourself, you know, whether that be showing up however early to get your studying in or showing up to do your homework, you know, for the people around you, friends, family, everything. I just think it was a, it was a good motto and it stuck with me because I think it can apply to so much more than even just education. And awesome. my final one, I think you actually know her, um, Miss Poole at OMS. Oh, yes. Yes. She is actually my clinical instructor. So oh my goodness. That is, that makes so me much so time happy. Together. Um, she actually in 2019, METP, gives us the opportunity to observe for four years. So she was actually one of my observation places for 2019, 2020. So I met her back then and found out this year she was going to be my CI. So I've been able to work with her for a very long time. Yeah. Um, And she's just, she's a very inspirational person. I think she has, she's very ambitious. She's very eager to find problems and also find solutions. Mm. And I think, you know, just her relationships with other people and the way that she builds trust and kind of builds that community, but also, you know, she wants to find problems and she wants to fix them. And I think that's something sometimes that's kind of overlooked. And I just, I really appreciate it. She's just a great role model, just a great human for me. So she's a great collaborator too. I know that like the, the teachers around that, you mean, you got a nice little group of teachers that work together right there at, at Oxford middle school. Um, yeah. Oh, that, that makes me happy that you, that's a Mrs. Poole, which makes me think of which, which, uh, TV show, Come on. I don't know. Dr. Monroe, you're old enough for this one. Mrs. Poole? <laughs> Mrs. Poole. The Hogan family? No? Oh, oh, with um, Jason Bateman? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, See, yeah, Mrs. yeah, Poole. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and also with, with, with your Ms. Poole, um, Hannah, you'd have to be up on probably the crown. Um, maybe is there any sort of other rituals having to do with the British monarchy that you have to be aware of? Oh, you, you have to know everything British, <laughs> everything. We have Queen Elizabeth stares at me. Her cardboard cutout watches me all day long. <laughs> the standards are high. Oh, that makes me so happy. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're off to a great start here, uh, Dr. Monroe. So now we're going to ask you, Hannah, to recall two reasons or events that led you to become a teacher. Okay. I think, I mean, I guess the easiest one for me is I'm a big sister. And I'm a big sister to two very rowdy little brothers. So I've always been wrangling little boys, um, <laughs> keeping up with them. I've always, I was always bossy. I think big sisters have to be. Um, but, you know, I grew up with them doing homework, you know, at the kitchen table. I grew up seeing how they learned and how they had, they struggled. You know, I remember still playing teacher with them. Not sure they were super willing to be the student, but they were. Um, but, you know, also helping them with their homework. And that was kind of my first experience, you know, from the time I was born really was, helping those around me. And I think that definitely kind of bled through the rest of my life too. Um, the second one, I think when I was a senior, I want to say in high school, I had that English teacher, Miss Pastor Chick that I was speaking about before. And she gave us an assignment where we got to stand up and teach the entire class a lesson. Um, and I remember being very intimidated by that at first because I'd never really spoken in front of a group of 30 kids my own age before. And I remember sitting down and going through and making what I look back on now and realize was a lesson plan, which I got to go back and actually look at the other day. And it made me kind of giggle oh, nice. because <laughs> I was already kind of in that headspace. Um, 
And I got to teach this whole lesson. I came up with this whole interactive activity where, you know, the presentation was on fear and understanding that in a poem. So I had them reach into a bat, an unmarked bag and pull out like a rubber snake and understanding how terrifying it is when there's something unknown in the equation. And, you know, I just remember being so into it. And I was very, I want this to be fun. I want them to enjoy it. And I want to, you know, find unique ways to get my point across. And I really enjoyed that. And I remember get finishing it and realizing like, whoa, that was comfortable. You know, it felt natural. It felt like something I like to do, but I was also kind of good at doing. And it came at kind of a crucial time too in high school because it's senior year. You know, everybody's trying to figure out like where, where are you going? What you doing? And I just think, I think it was a good moment of realization for me that, you know, you just kind of realize that's something you're meant to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's great, Hannah. Um, just sort of for us in teacher education to think about making sure that young people are exposed to opportunities for teaching because you never know, like you were inspired by that and you thought, Hey, this is something I really enjoy thinking about and doing and constructing a lesson. And just that opportunity that, that happened to me. And I don't, Joel knows this story uh, from a previous podcast, but you know, one of the, my answers to that same question, one of those things that sparked an interest in me was working with kindergartners when I was a fifth grader getting the opportunity to go down to the kindergarten classroom and help with some um, instruction with the kindergartners. And it just sort of that I was really liked it. I, you know, it was something that I enjoyed thinking about and figuring out how can I help this little boy with his words? And, you know, that was kind of on my brain until the next time I got to meet with them. And so having those opportunities for young people, I think is a great way to foster the profession and get people thinking about it as an opportunity. So that's really neat to hear that. Yeah. And I got, I got a chance to tutor with one of my, like my favorite teachers as a, a third grade teacher, Mr. Bolden. Like I remember in high school, I got a chance to go down where I, I didn't recall that until now. Like, and how that was a pretty amazing thing. They had like the overnight thing at the camp outside of town that we got to be a part of. And just, you know, yeah, like, that was one of those, yeah, mile marker moments that I kind of <laughs> needed to unearth there. Yeah, th- those are important. So yeah, we need to think about how do we promote more of those experiences? Because yeah. yeah, when you find that, I love that the way you t- described it too, that like, whoa, this was, there was a fit here. There was some something kind of electric happening. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. That's great. Um, so speaking of mile markers uh, of development, now we get to think about one that you're going to share for this, the, the podcast here. So if you're going to place one mile marker on your path to better teaching, what artifact would you use to represent your mile marker? Yeah. So I think my highlight in my journey as a teacher so far was probably getting to instruct in the Marx project where I actually taught math as an English student. <laughs> Beautiful teaching math. Oh my goodness. It must've been the highlight for you. <laughs> No, but do you know what? So, what is the Marx Project? Yeah, so the Marx Project is this awesome kind of collaboration that we have between Quitman County Middle School, which is in Marx, Mississippi, and Ole Miss School of Ed. And we bus the kids over like every other Saturday, um, usually in the spring semester. And the students are given an opportunity to kind of have some tutoring, kind of enrichment academic experiences with math and ELA. Then afterwards, they get to have lunch on campus. They get to go and kind of do a fun activity. We've like brought them to the Ole Miss um, basketball courts before, you know, something that kind of incorporates like wellness activity, maybe some kind of art, maybe the museum. Um, But for the academic 
part of the project. We needed some more math instructors and I got selected to teach math. So I had to very quickly um, relearn Algebra 1. <laughs> <laughs> I did that a couple of years ago when my child was taking Algebra 1. <laughs> so, so, so go deeper into that. So like, um, you know, explaining the, the context. Well, I guess we'll hear it. So that was the context. And so like the representation, what would represent that, that moment? Yeah. So I actually still have the lesson plans that I made where I, for the first time ever saw a math standard, which blew my mind, but kind of looked at that standard and broke it down into a lesson plan, which I was fortunate enough that I got to people helped me understand what was going on and kind of where I should start, where I should finish. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was great, but I think the experience as a whole, it really forced me to kind of take a step back and, you know, consider where the students are coming from when they're learning new material for the first time. For, and I mean, I think for English for me, obviously I've been doing it forever. It's all I do really now. Um, So going back to step one and going, okay, this is how they must feel when they're approaching something new. You know, it can be daunting. It can be difficult. And we have questions. We're not the most confident with it yet. So I think just getting that perspective again, I think it was fresh, it was new. And I think I needed that to, you know, put myself back on that level of, you know, being the learner and understanding that point of view. And, you know, I even think looking at instruction again differently, you know, you're having to understand different techniques and, you know, the techniques that I would use to teach writing are not necessarily going to be the most effective when I'm looking at how to plot equations or any of those other lovely things. So... (laughs) Nice. I like the fact that, I mean, so would you say that then you had a better appreciation going back into the English language arts classroom, the ELA classroom and being like, I, I'm going to use that same frame of mind. What is it like to approach this content for the first time? And um, I don't even, I, I was going to try to fake some English terms right now. Allegory, maybe, I don't know, <laughs> like <laughs> learning other things. I mean, just having that kind of fresh perspective because, and I'll tell you in, you know, I, I was a secondary teacher. And so, you know, having that familiarity with your content, you have such a great relationship with your content. You might assume someone else has a similar sort of relationship or at least uh, approaching that, that it, having that sort of perspective was probably maybe a little jumpstart for you or something. I don't know. Yeah, it was great. I think, I think it makes you more empathetic. It reminds you what it felt like to be in a situation where you might be overwhelmed and you might get a little stressed out, you know, obviously you're not as confident with material either that you aren't an expert in. So, you know, even having to get up there and think on my feet. And I think one of the important things that I kind of learned then too was, you know, sometimes you have to admit, Hey, I might've been wrong. Let's look at this together. You know, I might not know the answer to this question, but I I know how we can find out. Let's look at it together. And I think kind of modeling that for them, you know, being able to say, okay, like maybe we're stuck here. Let's go back through it together. You know, let's work as a team to figure this out. And I think it kind of, it creates a good environment, I think, too, when the teacher's willing to understand that about their students and, you know, willing to say, hey, you may not know everything right now, but let's work together to figure out how we can. Yeah, and I like that. I think you said use the word empathy like you have you were put in a situation where you had to go back and kind of do something you hadn't done in a while or you were nervous about or it's kind of like your lesson when, you know, working with the mathematics is like pulling a rubber snake out of a bag. You don't know what's in there uh, when you're not used to it. <laughs> but um, this idea of empathy for the students and and kind of remembering what it's like to be in their shoes 
and on that other side um, of the classroom. And I think it's really, really important, you know, to, for teachers to be thinking about that all the time, because like you said, Hannah, you're so involved with the English language arts standards. And, and if you're teaching that and you're, you know, that's sort of what's always on your mind, it seems natural to you and you forget that it's not always going to be, um, you know, easy for your students. So they may be really scared or fearful of what what's in that bag that they don't know what's in there, you know? Um, right. So I think that's a, that's a really good, you know, lesson, I think for everybody to remembering what it's like to be a student who's uh, unsure or, you know, fearful or apprehensive or self-conscious, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> I think that's really, really important because that changes the way we approach the lesson and the students themselves. Well, and two, and this is going to some work that Dr. Monroe and I have been doing together. Like we've been talking about, you know, developing relationships with math, max and, and being able to, you know, have a productive struggle with math and knowing that, because sometimes I would see this where, you know, uh, someone was having some of my content in as when I was a high school math teacher and they would be in their study hall and happened to be an English teacher study hall. And they would, they, they said, oh, we can't ask her. She said, she's not a math person right? Versus you just said a couple of things that, you know, anyone could do, but one, yes, you are a doer of mathematics, right? And two, like, hey, let's figure this out together. I might not, I might not be up to date on quadratic equations, but let's walk through it. Let's have you talk it out and let's figure it out together. And like that, that sort of approach of like, I'm not going to be afraid of this thing. And let's, let's figure it out together. I might not have all the answer, but we can, we're, we can figure this out. We can work through this logically. And, and that's, I love that stance. I love that, you know, that, that you didn't have the fear going in to, um, I mean, you might have you had some hesitation, but you didn't have the fear. And so like when to go ahead and do that sort of work and that's, that's good. That's a good thing that we all should have that sort of approach that we're all kind of cheerleaders for everyone else's content, even if it's not right in line with our area of certification. Yeah, things but, um, are connected. Things are connected in real life. They're just separated in school artificially. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And I think that's important to remind ourselves and our students. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, you know, these were this moment was important to you, definitely. So, how is it important to the field? So, you're getting a, a lot of expert, a lot of time right now, looking at those uh, in-task standards and thinking about which ones might align with an artifact, you probably already done this for this artifact. So what, what standards did you identify? I think it's number two, which would be learning differences and number three, which was the learning environment. Um, I definitely hit pretty well. I think really just with the approach kind of in creating that positive environment and really creating an environment where, you know, we stay curious and we stay trying to figure things out. Um, you know, making that like a welcoming environment too to where students feel okay saying, hey, they might not understand something or they're not all the way there. Um, and I think that's important for learning, you know, is to feel like you're in a safe zone where you can explore. Even though sometimes that's a little bit rocky, you know, I think that that's really important. Um, and I think too, you know, especially with Mark's project too, we're working with kids on a pretty infrequent basis. So, you know, we're not seeing them for very long. So it's, it's really important to try and build relationships as fast as you can, as well as you can in that kind of short amount of time. And I mean, I think it really kind of highlights too, you know, education goes a little bit further than content, you know, into those relationships. And I think that's something I've kind of thought about this year, especially through student teaching and graduate school and looking at jobs is, you know, 
I want to be a teacher, not just because I love my content area, but because I love teaching. And I think that that's really important. So nice. I think also too, I mean, just with what some of the th- ways that you described this experience too, the, the fact that when you went in, you weren't like, well, I'm going to just fake this and <laughs> think that I'm an expert, you know, like the expert in the content, but like you leaned on other professionals, which we all need to do, right? We're all, we're, we always need to lean on others. And so that all idea about leadership and collaboration, that standard 10 as well, mm-hmm. I think comes out pretty powerfully as well. Just leaning on other colleagues, um, you know, half the stuff I do is has to do with uh, working with Dr. Monroe here. And so at, at the school of ed, and so I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without her. And hopefully she would say the same about That's me. But anyway, absolutely true. Absolutely true. And I think it's good too. this idea about collaboration with others. It's good for our students to see that it's yes. not just good for us as teachers, but it's good as a model for our students, for them to see um, what, it, what it's like to work with others, what it's like to not know, and then work through that process to find the answers. That's part, that's a, the most important part of learning. And so I think it's great for students to see us modeling that at school with our, with our peers and our colleagues. So great, really important for um, morale as teachers to have those colleagues like Dr. Amidon for me or whatever it is, but also really important for our students to see that collaboration as well. Yeah. All right, Hannah. So what is that pocket size philosophy statement? Let's go. My philosophy statement is as an educator, I will ensure a positive, flexible environment by encouraging communication, collaboration, and creativity. All right. So we can I kind of see some things, but how can you see the influence of this mile marker on your philosophy statement and as your and, and your journey as a teacher? I think it's it's pretty heavy. I think I was developing my portfolio for the first time around the same time I was doing the Marks project too. So Um, I think positivity is a big one for me. You know, I think if we're going to be lifelong learners, we have to be comfortable and optimistic with not knowing all the answers. And, you know, I think this really highlighted that for me, you know, be positive. It's okay. If you don't understand something, there's always going to be something you don't quite get and that's okay. And I think that that kind of encouragement is really necessary to have a growth mindset, which I think was really important in this project. Um, obviously with flexibility, you know, being able to move, within and outside of content areas, you know, being able to adjust, go with the flow. Um, it's definitely helped me now that I'm in the classroom full time. Sometimes you just need to think on your feet and roll with the punches and way to make it. And that's really important. Definitely. Yes. Um, and as far as communication and collaboration, I think, you know, me communicating with the students, but also making them feel comfortable communicating with me when they do or don't know something, you know, teaching them how to kind of use their own words to tell me where they're at and not feel uncomfortable for admitting that. Um, Creative wise, I mean, getting creative with lessons too, you know, finding a way to make them work, finding a way to make them interesting, especially with a group of people who we don't really know each other very well. So I definitely think I had that experience had a pretty big impact on my philosophy statement. So nice. Very good. Um, so now's the time when we get to think about some resources that maybe connect to this experience or that we might want to point listeners to, or even you to, um, Hannah. And I don't know, uh, Dr. Monroe, did you have any suggestions? I have one I can do first if you want. Yeah, go ahead. So, 
you know, and I might've mentioned this before in a previous episode, but just thinking about this connection between, well, actually Mississippi uh, literacy and uh, mathematics, uh, being able to be literate in all of those literate, literate as a reader, but literate in mathematics. I think of the work of Bob Moses, who talks about, you know, math as a, um, could be a gatekeeper to citizenship and draws lines between the paradox between like literate literacy with regards to reading or literacy with regards to mathematics and like how one and, and Dr. Monroe and I talk about this a lot. One might be something where you wouldn't say I can't read, but you might be willing to say I can't do math. And so thinking about like you in that position had a chance to show like, I am a doer of mathematics. I might identify as an English teacher, but I am a doer. And then the kind of messages that you're sending there with regards to, Hey, I'm willing to jump in. Let's figure this out. Let's have that empathy for each other as learners, but we can do this. We're, we're all doers. And so I, I really like that. So Bob Moses has a book called radical equations. I really like, and actually we're going to do a shameless self-promotion. We also talk about um, Dr. Monroe and I have a uh, with, with some colleagues have an article. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Is it shame, shame, go away. I think that's, yes. The, Is that the one in the record you mean? Yep. In the record. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. we'll put, again, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, but again, it talks about how to, promote productive struggle um, in regards to thinking about yourself as a doer of mathematics. But I think some learnings in that article too can apply across uh, teaching too. And so even thinking like, you know, how do we, how do we pr promote those sorts of experiences where students get to engage in doing the subject? So doing science, like doing English, doing like engaging in, in the, the kind of the messy tasks of your content area. And so it's really important that people are putting on the identity of, of a doer of that thing. So like, I am a writer, I am a, you know, whatever it is. So I'm a scientist, I'm a mathematician, I'm a doer of math. So anyway, kind of math heavy, but you, you picked a math lesson and I had to, had to mm -hmm. go there. <laughs> I think too, and this is like not a specific resource, but just something to think about for teachers. Um, this idea about professional development, like, um, you know, learning from each other, learning from your colleagues, but also just, you know, Hannah, like you were talking about, you had to really step back and relearn something Definitely. and take that on. And as a challenge, I think um, thinking about as teachers, how do we um, continue our learning and our growth and our development in terms of what professional development opportunities are out there for us? Um, it's things that we're interested in, ways that we want to stretch ourselves. Um, and so thinking about that, I know like Dr. Amadon and I just got back from a conference uh, that I felt was really beneficial and going to some sessions that made me think about things in a different way. Um, you know, ideas that, I, that were new to me or, you know, um, things I had not heard a lot about before. So I wanted to, you know, hear more about those. I think that's a really important thing. There's so many great conferences and organizations out there that teachers can be involved in um, that I think are really, really important. I know that for me as a young teacher, um, going to some of those professional developments really shaped a lot of what I did and what I still do. And I think that's really important. It helps keep us fresh as teachers and excited and enthusiastic, kind of like you've got that enthusiasm, Hannah, about, you know, the lessons you're going to plan and working with people. And we want to keep that going. We want to keep that, you know, enthusiasm up. So I think just sort of a, a shout out of, to thinking about what you can do to grow yourself as a teacher, what's out there for you. And what are you interested in? Well, especially post-pandemic, there's lots of virtual opportunities too. So it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. like, you have to go and travel, spend a lot of money, but it could just be, yeah. can I carve out some time in my schedule in order to do stuff like that? 
Also, we're going to put links into, uh, I'll find a link to the Marks project that I'll put in there. So also the Reclaim project that's in Marks, Mississippi. So Drew Hall, former METP uh, fellow, is uh, been in Marks for a few years now. He's, he's, a, he's a Reclaim project teacher fellow. And actually, they have a little place where they some teachers live within the community. So like they found that being a teacher within the community offers you a chance to be more of an influence in the school and in the community and, and allows you to be then a better teacher. So um, there's an opportunity to, to learn more about those fellowships. I'll put a link in, in the show notes to that. And if you're looking for more information, just follow that link and you can learn more about those things. Anything else for the good of the order? This is good. Thank you, Hannah. For uh, great job, Hannah. Thank yeah. you. This Thank is, you uh, for having me. Yeah. Well, this. I mean, I can't think of a better way to celebrate the two, two, two. two. Dr. <laughs> Monroe did a better job of Tuesday, two twenty two, two thousand twenty two. Thank you very much. There you go. Uh, well, and and just again, um, I think the 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 mind frame that you had going into that experience, and then reflecting on that and pointing it as a mile marker of your development as a teacher. Fantastic. Fantastic. So thanks for sharing, Hannah. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in to the Teacher's Journey Mile Markers on the Road to Better Teaching. This episode may be over, but the journey to better teaching continues. Please subscribe to the podcast so you are notified when the next episode is ready for a listen. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. You can also share the podcast with someone you feel may be interested in these stories of teacher development. Like Ms. Poole, maybe, huh? Come on. Are you ready to start your journey to better teaching? Send an email to Nick Sisk, Nick F at OleMiss.edu. He's a school of education admissions counselor to hear all about the options for becoming a teacher or educational leader. Perhaps you are well into your journey and looking to further advance as a practitioner or researcher in your field. For more information on all our graduate programs, contact the University of Mississippi School of Education's Graduate Studies Office by sending an email to graduation at OleMiss.edu. And also follow the University of Mississippi School of Education on social media at Ole Miss Ed School on Twitter and Instagram. So you can learn more about opportunities like free graduate application weekends. I think that one just happened, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, information can be found in the show notes for this episode at roadtobetterteaching.com. And finally, thank you, Hannah Witherspoon, for sharing a portion of your journey with us. And thank you to all you listeners out there for taking the journey to better teaching. This world is a better place because you have used the gifts you have been given to teach others. 